another installment of Behind the Fourth Wall, the podcast where we discuss and review trailers, movies, TV shows, and anything else pop culture. Today, we're reviewing the newest Fantastic Beast movie, The Secrets of Dumbledore. My name is Ivan, and as always, I'm joined today by my co-host and international adventurer, Chamillion. <laughs> is it Chamillion there? Is <laughs> uh, <laughs> it Chamillion there? How do I mess this up? <laughs> Uh, it's just chameleonaire. If you'd like me to delete the age for phonetic no, pronunciation, no, no, no. I'm, I'm just dumb. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh my god, I hope that makes you. So, you know what? I'm keeping. I'm keeping it. I'm keeping it. Uh, I was, I was so ready to come in with the. They see me rolling, but I love the chameleonaire. Chameleonaire, jeez. <laughs> Phonetics uh, is easier than actual spelling. I will you say know, English is a tough language. Look, I'm still on some time <laughs> lag here. <laughs> that's, that's fair. Um, you know what? I'm keeping this. <laughs> this is what I'm going with. I'm liking welcome, this. Welcome to the international adventure, Chamillionaire <laughs> Emmett. This is this is our last recording before uh, we take a a summer vacation break in the spring. In the, the early summer is what we call spring, sure. Uh, yeah, so I love that that's our intro for a send-off. Well, congratulations, sir. I hope you enjoy your time off. I know you're going off to save the turtles and the penguins and the lions. And um, I know you th- we, we talked about this extensively, but I completely forgot some of the other animals you're saving on this quest. But A lot of I, polar bears. Um, they need us now more than ever. They do. They really do. They need me traveling uh, over summer break, so I I can't resist that call, call to action, you know. Also, don't forget about the seagulls. We've been dumping so many masks out into the ocean that people don't seem to be clipping the little bands for. So, yeah. Do you know why the seagulls don't live by the bay anymore? No, why? They be called bagels. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Love that one. That that's gonna be written on my tombstone. <laughs> and, and our last episode together for some time <laughs> my famous quote all right let's get into this man dumbledore what's that um, mysterious ticking it's a pipe bomb oh i was like what's going on in my background <laughs> uh no that's probably my favorite uh harry potter spinoff the uh the puppet pals <laughs> oh god snl's up there sure the Lindsay Lohan special. How does where does this rank for you? <laughs> <laughs> where where does the movie that we're actually supposed to be talking about rank? Like just within this series? I think so because I don't I'm like I think all these movies are kind of not they're below. Yeah. They're like uh what's the bad one? The Half-Blood Prince. Was it or was it Goblet? No, it wasn't Goblet of Fire. Goblet of Fire is like top 2, top yeah. 3. Yeah. I always forget their names. I think you're I right. I think Half Blood Prince was among the worst because there was no real fighting. It was just him reading this potions book. So I, didn't like I mean, it's like either. all of these are on that level. But you know, out of this series, this probably is the best of the three. I mean, I enjoyed one. I thought two was chaotic. Um, this one, I I thought was redeeming in some ways. But it's also like this feels like a franchise I'm ready to move on from. Not the Harry Potter world in, you know, in the grand scheme, but this set of movies, I feel like I'm ready to move on from. Yeah, I feel you on that. I think, um, 
you know, I'm not much of a Potterhead myself. Like, I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> That's different, what. Different um, kind of Potterhead. Yeah. <laughs> isn't that what? Isn't that what the Harry Potter fans call themselves? I believe so. I could be totally I'm wrong. I'm a lightning boy, you know. Lightning boy. Yeah. What is it? The Percy Jackson fan base. <laughs> uh yeah <laughs> they they got some rejuvenation going on too lately they're so. nick cage movies yeah sure <laughs> that, that new movie looks atrocious <laughs> yeah i th- this um i i can't choose between the first one and this one as being my favorite out of this franchise which um, i think is a fair toss-up like they're on the same level i think we can all admit and agree that. Can I just say though, like I was, I thought we were gonna have an issue with replacing Johnny Depp with Mads Mikkelsen, and I don't know if I'm alone in this, right? But like, yeah, I, let's I, start there. I think Mads Mikkelsen killed it here. I, I, I thought he did a really good job. I enjoyed it a little bit more than I did Johnny Depp, and I don't know if I should be feeling this way. I think he would have been a good choice to replace Johnny Depp for the second movie. I, I didn't like Johnny Depp at all. I would have liked some sort of like cohesion and consistency of an actor because, my God, this cast is riddled with extracurricular affairs and problems <laughs> that it's like it's so distracting because people have to get recasted or are likely to get the boot from the project. Like Madge did a good job, but it's also like, I don't know, they didn't really lean on him that much for this role. It's Yeah, true. And I think Johnny Depp only really got to work on the second one to some extent to build out the character because the first movie apart from like that what three minute sequence at the end like right. you really have much of a role to play yeah i i, I like johnny depp but I, I i just didn't really think his performance was anything other than johnny depp playing you know the, this character whereas i feel like mads mickelson i'm like oh this does feel like grindelwald versus johnny depp as grindelwald you know i mean like i would have taken colin firth again it could have made sense yeah. to be like bring him back because it's like oh he's going back into that hiding form or something like that like that could have been an easy write in and especially after seeing him play the penguin it's like this guy is really good. I feel like that would have been the cool route to go too. They, they had choices. It's just I, I do I think Mads Mikkelsen as as Grindelwald was a really good choice. Um, because more like I, I think the reason for it though is I I think he has good chemistry with Jude Law, uh, playing Dumbledore. Versus, yes. I think the, it was kind of stale between Jude Law and um, when you compare Jude Law and and Johnny Depp as as uh, as Grindelwald. Well, that's a tough uh, comparison because they didn't really have any scenes together or interactions. It was just like through memories and whatnot. Um, but I do agree the scenes that they shared, Mads and Jude shared in this movie, were very strong. Yeah. So. I guess it was, since we're talking about controversies and stuff, we we kind of have to talk about Ezra Miller, who, you know, and, and you know, in light of all this, we're recording this on April twentieth. He was just arrested again. Four twenty, nice. Yeah. Potterheads, <laughs> where you at? Where them Potterheads at? <laughs> um, Sorry, Ezra Miller, what was the controversy you were talking about? <laughs> Ezra Miller's been arrested yet again for um, the second yeah. time in the same place. Um, Doing the same thing. Doing the same thing, yeah. This time he threw a chair at a 26-year-old woman. Um, I think a couple weeks ago he threatened to kill a couple. Um, 
So clearly the dude's going through some stuff. Hopefully he gets his stuff fixed, figured out and all that. But also, oh my God. <laughs> um, oh, I can't see an eternal go out like this. That's Barry Keoghan, not Ezra Miller. <laughs> but same thing, same thing. It's not the same thing. It's, it's not. No, uh, yeah, not to make a joke of it. It is a sticky situation, awful to hear. But it, I mean, it's what I'm talking about before. It's like it's so many things going on that it's so distracting from the movie. Uh, and not only that, like him in this movie was just bad. Right, I think they really didn't. Um, I don't think they really developed a really good uh, rapport, I guess, or like, a, like cause even in the last movie, uh, the character of Credence, I feel like, wasn't really all that appealing, uh, at least to me. I think there's a lot of different um, ways they could have gone with this character, right? But I, I don't know. To me, it just kind of seemed like a character that was a little bit more of an afterthought than it was uh, fully fleshed out, which is odd because it's kind of central to, you know, a large portion of the plot within the last two films, at least. Yeah, there are movies where, like, a bad guy will die and you feel bad for them still somehow. Like, it's, it's possible to achieve that. And he, this guy is, like, his character is towing that line of is he bad or is he just being convinced to do bad things? But like him dying in this movie, you feel no emotional connection to it. You're like, all right, just get off the screen. It's fine. Get out of the way. Like, I don't know if that's because of the actor. I think it's mostly, I, I think I can put that aside and be like, no, I just don't care about this character. Yeah. And I, th I think from, um, from like a caliber perspective, right? Like Ezra Miller is a fine actor. I don't think uh, I don't think his skills are necessarily in question, but I think the story in general just never really gave him or gave them much to work with. I think they really kind of took the role and and tried to make the best out of it, but the character just kind of falls flat. But uh, it, it should be the way that it's set up, right? Like he's just a tool of destruction used by the Grindelwald character to be like, you're going to do my, my bidding for me. And I'm going to trick you into thinking that uh, Jude is a bad guy. And like, you still don't feel bad for him being used in that way. Like it's more of just like, all right, get out of the way so that Jude Law and Mads Mikkelsen can fight. <laughs> like this whole movie was that essentially like throughout the entire thing and so like that's what i was that's what i bought the ticket for i'm like i want to see jude law go at it with Matt mickelson but you didn't get enough of it no it was no. one last like two minute long scene out of a what two and a half hour movie or something like that like a, a little over two hours right it was long it kind of felt its length which uh but it wasn't that it was like it was it was two and a half hours long. And then obviously without credits, it's like 210, 215. So it's like it's not, you know, a three hour Lord of the Rings or four hour extended cut. Like, but there were parts I agree where I was like, are we almost done? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Like I said, I'm not I'm, I've never really been too big into the Harry Potter world. So I think maybe that had something to do with it. But around the around the hour and a half mark or so i started kind of getting a little bit impatient with the movie because i feel like there was some pacing issues 
uh, at least from my part, like the, there were different, I don't know, there were scenes that I feel like were a little bit overextended, and then there were other scenes where we cut away from, from like either the action or from, or from dialogue a little too quickly. I, I mean, I am a big Harry Potter fan. Like, I will rewatch these movies on repeat. As soon as I finish the seventh one, I'll rewatch the first one. Like, it's it's the same I think with like Lord of the Rings, right? Where you like you get to the end and you're like, oh, I gotta go back to the beginning. So I love these things, and this stylistically was so different than everything else. There was like a big emphasis on humor. This was a definitely like fast moving, like who done it type of. Did you plan that, or are you just sort of like adjusting on the fly? Um, so it was very different, but I don't know if I was like ready for that. And I don't think I received it as well as if a trailer had prepped me for that. Also, we kind of got into the political realm a little bit with the way with some of the plot here, right? Because a lot of it was like kind of political deception kind of thing. Yeah. So I'm not too, like I said, I'm not too big into the Harry Potter world, but did we know? Um, that this was something that Grindelwald did before? Like, was he essentially... Because I always thought he was basically um, Voldemort, but version... Voldemort one point, Light? Yeah, Voldemort Light, <laughs> essentially, right? But uh, I know, the way, yeah. I the think way it's been that, played out seems different here. I, I think that, like, this is where we start to get, you know, good aspects of filling in details, right? So, like... In the in the Harry Potter movies, we we learn that Dumbledore has a brother. We learn that he wasn't the best brother to his sister, and that he has like a complicated family history. So like we never really know what that is about, because um, it's not in the books, it's not in the movies. So like filling in those like missing puzzle pieces, I really enjoyed this movie for that. Um, but yeah, like you don't really know how Grindelwald gets from you know, his origin to uh, where we see him in Harry Potter, where he's in a cell in Azkaban. Like, so, so there's a lot of like gaps to fill in here. And you all obviously see him throughout this movie and previous movies with the elder wand. So it's like, you know, the fight's coming. And that's the only thing that you knew from the books is that uh, at some point, Dumbledore and Grindelwald fight. So this is a lot of buildup for that. And it's like, are we going to make those last, there's supposed to be like two more movies, right? Like, are we going to make those? And can we just kind of get to that? Yeah, more and more, it seems like either we're going to have to see those last two films through like a series or one last movie with a severely reduced budget. Because it seems like you know, th- this movie is also coming out at the, at the forefront of the merger between Discovery and Warner Brothers. So a lot of the producers that worked on this movie have been laid off uh, over the last couple weeks. So I think as a franchise, the Harry Potter universe in general, I think, is is in a little bit of trouble, I think, at the moment. Because between that and DC, I'm sure there's already been talks about how the studio wants to revamp everything. So. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm I'm hopeful that they'll do, that they'll do the last two stories justice, and I hope that we do get it. Uh, but maybe a series might be more beneficial here. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that because I have another friend that is also pretty big on the Harry Potter world. Who, when they saw it, like their first text to me was like, "Interesting, but I feel like this is kind of like a, a series, like what they're doing with Game of Thrones, like the prequel stuff." 
like it doesn't need to be a blockbuster two hour two to three hour movie like especially since you know we have a little bit of hindsight with when this movie came out like this did not light up the box office so it it's almost like why are you spending so much money to make movies that are not bringing returns right and I, and I think that there's been a lot of things working against this franchise from the beginning too because you have you know uh the, the well i think the big elephant in the room is is the issues with jk rowling right because i think a lot of the fan base has turned against her yeah even her comments and all that um she's viewed as very transphobic now and she's very involved in these movies you know this isn't like a george lucas and star wars situation where he's already sold his stuff over to disney and he's very hands-off she's very much involved here right she's still getting credits in the in the after credit uh, right role it's like her her name is one of the first few names it's like i don't you don't want to attach her to this project if you want it to succeed but it's not just her it's what we've been talking about it's ezra mm-hmm. miller it's johnny depp it's it's you know it's, it's plagued like, by unfortunate outside activities and it, it it sucks because jude law's dumbledore i think is perfect casting uh eddie redmayne as newt scamander like newt is probably my favorite character from this bunch of movies um he's done a really good job i, I even di- like uh dan fogler's character um kowalski i think he's really cool um so yeah like there's so many good things about the this this series of films but it also seems like it didn't from the beginning didn't really know what it wanted to be too right because even though like the first movie's focus is on newt and his friends on in the background and almost like kind of catching your eye a little bit more is this conflict between uh grindelwald and and dumbledore and and since movie two that's been what everybody wants to focus on right like it's it's almost kind of like you're doing a disservice to some of the characters you started out with because I'm more interested in seeing Dumbledore fight Grindelwald than I am anything that's going on with Newt and his friends, unfortunately. I I totally 100% agree with you there. I That's the thing I'm like tuning in for. The thing that's keeping me, though, is this background knowledge that isn't explained in the books or in the movies of, like, what is the Dumbledore family line like? Like, they just make references to it, but then they never explored that. Um, I think it was in the books. I can't remember. It's been so long since I've read them. Uh, but it was like, what did he do exactly with his sister? Like, why why did his brother hate him for how he treated his sister? So this movie was cool for that aspect because it's like you're seeing this relationship between the two brothers and it's like very neutral. Like they're just kind of going through the motions. And then you start to hear more history about that. And like, that's the stuff that that keeps me in like involved and watching is like and with you know jude law delivering these monologues like that's the part that i like um but you're right like it's the it's the major fight that you want to get to and it's like if that's going to take two more movies for it to come to fruition like i don't know i might be out yeah well i I do feel like in terms of a world building aspect that's why i feel like this series like it should be a series on like hbo max or something i think it'll do well on that because from from a story perspective there's more you can do with building up these characters in the show uh, yeah and, and, and i do think a lot of these characters are worth building up like uh, as as a kid from the limited stuff that i had um knowledge i guess from of, of harry, of harry potter 
the thing that always caught my attention was um you know the talk of grindelwald because it seemed like to me it's almost like if you caught hitler and locked him up you know like that was kind of the that world's version of of like the most treacherous character up until at that point present time right um so to see the story like it's that's what's been bringing me to the table with some of these movies um so yeah i mean the world building aspect of it i think would be better served in more of a serialized structure i mean yeah i agree i think a show would be better but it's also like these movies feel like there's years apart between them it almost has like that maze runner effect where it's like the first one was interesting. The second one was a letdown. And then it took a while for the third one. It's like, wait, you still want to make more? How long is this going to take? Like, this is a 10-year project or something. And it's not like world building like Marvel does over 10 years. Right. Yeah. Like, it, it, it's it's such a weird thing, too, though. Because I, I think part of the reason why the first movies were very successful is because they had that template of the book. Like, there's so much richness to kind of derived from and over here to my understanding it's jk rowling making an attempt to be a screenwriter which it's not working it's not and with this big cast like you were listing off like these are great actors and they're all killing their individual roles but it's like it's not coming together as a team like the the playbook is not right right well what are some of the things that you did enjoy about this movie because i think for me the the big things are some of the more action-packed sequences here. Like, I always like the way that magic gets portrayed in these films because it's not how I envisioned it uh, from reading the books. Yeah, it is crazy how far the magic portrayal has come. Like, if you rewatch, like, Sorcerer's Stone or Chamber of Secrets, like, um, those ones, the magic is, like, a, a poof of smoke and a flashing light. Like... It's nothing. And then this is like there's a whirlpool of wine in a as poison in a cup and it's like launched as they're fighting through a staircase of paper. Like it's crazy how far they've come with this stuff. So it's really captivating in that sense. I think the big stuff for me, like I said, was filling in the little gaps because I want the the big thing I want is that, you know, end all fight. Um but we're not getting that for a few for a few more movies. So it, to me, it's like filling in plot lines that have always been confusing or or left in the dark. Right. Like a, a lot of it is it's, it's kind of like Clone Wars, I guess, in a sense, right? Because like you go back to Star Wars and the prequels, and you don't really get much of one very interesting plot of the story, and it gets kind of fleshed out um, right afterwards. Yeah, there's a huge gap between Phantom Menace and, and Attack of the Clones. And it's like, and and for that matter, too, between that and Revenge of the Sith. So it's like, where do, what fit in between all these things? Um, so it is interesting to see. It's just like, it's not meant for a movie budget like this. It's also kind of interesting to me, the characterization of Grindelwald here. Because, like I said, I always pictured him to be like... Um, you know Voldemort, but the first version of him. Uh, and over here, he's like a lot more neat, I guess, and composed, but very sinister and far more politically ambitious than than that would take somebody like Voldemort to be. Like, 
whereas Voldemort, I kind of feel him to be like this like fantastical emperor kind of like villain, right? Yeah, he he just ruled by like power and by legend, whereas this guy's going by like elect me as your leader, and then I can make change that way. But that also is like we made some big jumps without having any sort of political conversations. Right. Like there was no jockeying for like, here's how I'm going to get on the ballot and here's how they're going to clear my name. It's just like, oh, he was in that guy's pocket. It's also kind of like I, I, I read this article where I think J.K. Rowling was describing that relationship like almost like Professor X meets Magneto. But I don't really sure. see that necessarily play out in that same manner. I think the the. Like it, it's like spiritually, I guess it's kind of in the same vein, but yeah, I see that as like that was her vision board, but she didn't right. get there. So I could see that being like that's why I want them to be is like the ultimate good versus the ultimate bad, and they used to be friends and then they deviated at some point. Like I, I could see trying to get there, but it's just happening so fast within a two-hour movie that's like it's really hard to buy in. Right. I, I, like I said, I do hope they continue the story, but I hope it's in a series and maybe we can even get some flashbacks to what happened with them before or even like some of the Dumbledore story with his family. Because I'm sure I think if memory serves right, right, like his, his family goes back a couple generations in terms of like influence or like roles to play within that uh, world. Yeah. What were your thoughts on uh, Dumbledore revealing that he had romantic feelings towards Grindelwald? Like we all we obviously knew that like J.K. had tossed that idea out there. Like she's like I think she said she had always thought of him as as homosexual. But then like to actually put that on screen, I think saying it once was fine. But then like saying it a couple times was like kind of forcing it as a topic. It was for points. <laughs> yeah. And and they all got deleted before the before the Chinese premiere too. So I just Wait, kinda, did they really? I didn't yeah. That. Yeah, no, China would only take the movie if they edited those lines out. So And they uh, did. Yeah, but I mean it's it's pretty obvious that there's tension of that kind between them, right? Like I, I think even if you took some of those dialogue pieces out it, I mean it, it felt one one directional though like it was going from Dumbledore to Grindelwald it didn't feel like it was returned other than to control him right I never got the sense that Grindelwald loved Dumbledore I, yeah. I did get the sense that Dumbledore loved Grindelwald but I couldn't I, I didn't get the sense the other way around and I think that's maybe why there was so many there was so much dialogue to um, reinforce that thought because they're not really showing you too much of it um, I I mean I like that the, it finally got said right and it finally got represented on sure. on the screen. Yeah. Um, but at the same time I'm also like cool we knew this but like can you give us more of the reasons as to why? Because I feel like that moment would be heavier if if they focused on on that relationship for the last two movies and not waiting for it and just kind of egging your audience on to be like oh at some point we'll discuss this. Um, and then just never really get to it or take your time to build up to it. Because I think that that's one of the things that this franchise is kind of taken for granted. It's like, they're like, oh, well, we have five movies to mess around with. <laughs> well, you might not. <laughs> you know, like, right. nothing's guaranteed in Hollywood. Yeah. I mean, I'm all for, 
using these movies, movies like this as a platform to progress topics, but when it feels like it's forced just for earning some, you know, brownie points, it, it feels wrong. Right. And it's also very obvious that that's what's what it kind of comes down to, because I think J.K. Rowling is also one of those. And it's got to be weird for her. Right. Because like you. You know, I, I guess to, to, to put context in here, she came out with some um, particularly, I guess, uh, pointed views on on what she thinks a woman is. And so th- it became this whole spiraled conversation on Twitter between her and fans. Uh, which, by the way, this is one of the reasons why you only like stuff on Twitter and you don't say anything on Twitter. Because <laughs> on a given day, you're just going to say whatever you want to say, right? Like, it, But anyway, it, it divulged into this whole thing. So she's been labeled homophobic and a couple other things. Um, you know, I, I think anybody interested in reading up on that should just, you know, look it up and just kind of assert your own opinion into it. I think, though, for there's got to be a part of her that wants to kind of be accepted again because she was on top of the world after the harry potter franchise i'm almost Uh, wondering like did she actually push this agenda into the movie to correct her name or like earn points or was it like we need to do something like from the studio being like we got to do something here and this is what we're going to do i think she i think she did it originally just from the books because i don't think there's any context in the original harry potter books that dumbledore you know, was gay. I think I think she added that after the fact during interviews. And then I think that was also for brownie points. So this, I think, um, I don't think it's necessarily the studio butting in and, and getting her to do that. I think she's just not a really good screenwriter to <laughs> to kind of portray that in, right? Like, yeah. I, I don't see this as, like, somebody pushing an agenda. I see it more as, like, you meant well, but you kind of fell flat on your face trying to deliver right. a storyline that should have been, you know, iconic but comes out looking a little bit stale right yeah i don't know where that i hope this this franchise goes i i would like to see it steered towards a series but i think they're too far down the stream to change but maybe but also um you know i i, I don't know i think we live in the streaming focused world now so you know, if they shift gears a little bit and just focus on Dumbledore and Grindelwald and maybe leave some of the other characters behind a little bit. Then... Well, that's the other thing, like how this movie ended, what were your like, what are you picking up that like where is this going next? Is it going with like cause it seems like it kind of diverts into two paths. Either it stays with the Newt group and either like pulls them in occasionally or it goes with the Dumbledore group where it's like the fight between him and Grindelwald. Where do you think it's going? Well, I, I think the smart play would be to go into the Dumbledore slash Grindelwald um, side yeah. of things and focus on that. Like I said, I, I do like Newt's commander and his friends, but I don't think I, I think it's a disservice to their characters to make them the focal point because it's almost like I guess it's kind of like throwing a birthday party, right, in Disney World when the fireworks are going off. Like, it could be the best birthday party ever, but if the fireworks are on outside, I'm going to go outside and take a look at the fireworks. You know, like, (laughs) it's kind of like that. Like, you get two good things, but you have to focus on one. You can't, you know, put all your eggs on on, in in both baskets and expect to to kind of have a good outcome there. 
And yeah, I think they they had their moment, right? They had the birthday dinner, if you will, of like Fantastic Beast being the first movie. Like that was really good, really enjoyable. The second one felt like, okay, we've stayed too long at this party. And then the third one is like, there's a better party outside. Let's go to that one instead. Like, I hope they realize that it's time to transition to another place. And it's time to tell us a story as to how Dumbledore grows from Jude Law to the guy that we see in Harry Potter and how he loses all that, like, swagginess to him. Like, why does he dress only in wizard robes when he's old, when clearly he has a fashion sense? In the 1900s. I will say that, like, you do start to see some mild resemblance of him being, like, his hair, like, his beard going a little gray and, like, getting a little bit longer throughout the movie. I mean, yes, I don't understand how he's going to go from suits to flowy robes. So that will have to be explained at some point. But I do start to see, like, the, all right, he's letting himself go a little bit. Yeah. Wait, how far are we from from the first Harry Potter movie timeline wise here? Oh boy, I don't know. I want to say like thirty years, twenty Jesus, years. That's a lot of aging. This is like the Obi Wan. I mean, we've aged worse over twenty years. Look at you when you were what ten. You don't look anything like that now. No, I looked older when I was ten. <laughs> <laughs> I have reverse Benjamin Button's disease. Reverse Ben. Okay, gotcha. You're aging normally then. <laughs> is that what the oh, jeez? <laughs> jeez, this is coming from the uh, ch- ch- what did I say? Chameleon at the beginning. A real Potterhead. Four twenty. My, my brain is really, yeah, yeah. It's a it's a very appropriate that it's four twenty, and I'm slurring my speech here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm fine with ending it here because I don't I feel like we're beating a dead horse here with our review on it. This was ultimately a good movie along the lines of the first one, but it's like a mediocre series. So I get that it's not selling out at the box office. Uh, it's sad to see because, I mean, I love the Harry Potter world, but uh, it's hard to be like, yeah, go spend your money on this. This will be out on HBO eventually. Yeah, and I think it's better, better enjoyed um in a more like private setting because i feel like the there's not too much of a big flashy sequence here that i that i'll say like you absolutely have to watch this on the big screen to enjoy right. it uh but i i do feel like um i i would like the story to continue and i, and I do hope that we maybe get back to the you know maybe the, the future timeline of, of this uh franchise also because um, you know, there's been talk about a reunion with the original cast for Harry Potter. So I think there's a lot of stuff to do in the wizarding world, but they really have to find firm footing and they really need to bring in talent that can really, you know, shake things up behind the scenes and actually commit to delivering a good, nicely paced story. Yeah, agreed. All right. So why don't we, why don't we leave it there? Um, as always, if you feel like we missed something or if there's something you want to add to the conversation about this movie, feel free to hit us up on Twitter at BT Fourth Wall. Otherwise, thanks for thanks listening. For listening. <laughs>